In this two-part episode, episodes 21 and 22, I tackle a question that's been on my mind for a while and something that I think will stir up a level of controversy. Will blockchain replace the internet? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Arv's Notes. So today's episode is going to actually going to be a two-part episode, so episodes 21 and 22 uh, to cover this topic because uh, it is very broad. There's a lot of facets uh, of this discussion um, for us to gain a proper insight as to the viability of this. Uh, and ultimately, uh, these two episodes are going to talk to whether or not blockchain can replace the internet. Now, many of you are probably going to be listening to this and saying, well, that just sounds stupid. The internet is so massive. How the hell is blockchain like the cryptocurrency is going to replace the internet? And so these two episodes are going to go into the why behind it. Uh, episode 21, today's one is going to look at the technical elements. We're going to look at what the internet actually is, the evolution of the internet from about the mid 90s uh, to where it is today and where we see the internet going into the future, uh, and then tying it back to some of the fundamentals of blockchain and why those parallels uh, really position the technology to potentially replace or be the next evolution of. And then episode two goes into something that we rarely talk about uh, when it comes to these kind of discussions, and it is the business, the real-world application of this coming to be. You know, what would it take in industries, in consumer markets, in whatever it might be? What is it going to take for us to be able to shift away from the internet today to a blockchain-based platform? Um, and so hopefully uh, this is a bit of an eye-opener for all of you. And really the goal for me with this two-part episode series is about giving everybody a level of understanding from a layman's point of view as to what the internet is, what blockchain is, to broaden your perspective to realize the possibilities that technology actually plays. But really as well, harp on the fact that no one is immune to disruption. And a favorite quote of mine that I often talk to many of my customers about, um, or people, if you've, if you've um, had the displeasure of having to talk to me consistently. Uh, you know, I default a lot to tech investments, etc. But one thing that I often talk to is the fact that the only constant in this world is change. And just because the internet is such a huge power player, power platform today, does not mean it's going to be into the future. So it's a really, really interesting discussion. And um, I hope you enjoy it. So today's episode, you know, I really want to start with, you know, what is the internet? Uh, in a previous episode, we've already gone through what um, blockchain is. Um, I've given you that basic understanding of what it is. But one thing that struck me was that a lot of people don't actually understand what the internet actually is. You know, so many of us look at it as this platform from which we can visit websites, that we can do e-commerce, that we are able to communicate with people with. But it's fundamental. People often think it's more complicated than it actually is. So what is the internet? Uh, ultimately, the internet is just a network of computers. You know, it is the communication between multiple computers to share information. And that is it. 
It is not some big complex beast. There's no one individual that owns it. There are bodies that govern how we communicate over it, but ultimately it's just a network of computers. It is, you know, my smartphone, which I'm talking to right now, is connected to a vast network of other computers that are storing information. And when I say computers, not just your phones or your laptops, but now with how you know the internet has kind of built out, we're now hosting it on in huge data centers. You think about cloud computing, cloud resources, you look at private servers, um, all of these computing resources are just interconnected. And we leverage a common uh, communications medium in order to communicate with each other. And that is the is um, IP internet protocol and um, FTP, file transfer protocol, um, and a range of other communications mediums over the internet to be able to allow different computers, different um, devices to communicate effectively with each other. But I think that's all we really need to know for this definition. It is a network of computers. The second piece that I really wanna to talk to is what the internet is and the evolution it has gone through. So today we are in, well, arguably we are still in what, what is known as Web 2.0. So we've obviously come from Web 1.0, we are now in Web 2.0, um, but as my favorite quote states, the only constant in this world is change, uh, we will eventually transition to Web 3.0. It's a bit of contention as to whether or not we're already in Web 3.0, but um, for the, from my perspective and the purposes um, of this discussion, uh, we're still in Web 2.0. So what are these different webs? So Web 1.0 uh, refers to the emergence of um, the web to uh, the mass public, uh, to everyday consumers like you and me. Uh, and this occurred some point in the early to mid 90s uh, when we all got access to web browsers uh, and a means to allow us on our computers to access the internet. But Web 1.0 was all a, was effectively a read-only web because at the time for mass consumers, for everyday people, we did not have the tools, we did not have the technology to be able to build our own websites, share our own content at scale. We were effectively just consuming a lot of the data that was already available on the internet. This is why the web 1.0 is sometimes referred to as the read-only web. Then we transitioned to web 2.0, which was effectively read and write. If you're a techie, uh, if you've done any work in computer science, you'll understand these read and read only pieces from when we store stuff on hard drives. So effectively, Web 2.0 was the ability to write to these hard drives or write or create content for the internet. Web 2.0 effectively empowered every single one of the users around the world who had access to the internet, the ability to create and share content rather than only being able to consume it. And you start to look at some of the tools that were at our disposal through Web 2.0. We had platforms to allow us to start blogging, to be able to create and share the written word on uh, blogging platforms like WordPress and many others. We were given tools to be able to build websites and host them uh, without a lot of technical understanding. 
Think of websites like Wix, um, and I personally use Wix for Attica's first website. You know, Wix was a great example of the empowering everyday people to create websites, to create web content, and then share it to everybody on the internet. You start to look at companies like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You know, all these platforms, these social platforms allowed us to connect with a vast array of individuals, create and share content, not only just the written word, but now video and audio rich media, um, empowering every single person, the ability to create and share content. And so that is why, while some will refer to web 2.0 as the read and write web, others will refer to web 2.0 as the social web. So that now leads us to where is the internet now going? So the internet is now moving to web 3.0. The term, I think its earliest emergence in conversation was about 2006. Uh, So it has been a quite a while since this web 3.0 term started to come about. Um, it It came about first from a bit of foresight and prediction as to where we were heading to. Um, And we're now at a point where some people think we are in Web 3.0 at the moment. Some people think we're about to transition to it, but it all depends on the definition. And there is no single held, widely accepted definition of what Web 3.0 is. But there was one that that came up during my quick um, searching about these definitions that comes up as to be the most commonly accepted term for Web 3.0, and that is... Web 3.0 is a connective intelligence where the next generation of applications, data, concepts, and people are connected by an unmediated fabric where you don't need a trust broker like a bank or a tech company in the middle to ensure privacy and security. Now, I want to have a link to that definition uh, in the comments below. Rewind it if rewind this video or podcast if you want to hear that again. But Web 3.0 is about connective intelligence. So you went from read-only to social to connective intelligence. But realistically, it's about this unmediated fabric where you don't need a trust broker. And I want to dive into this a little bit further. The internet itself is an unmediated fabric. The internet is a layer of arbitrage. The internet allowed us to communicate freely with everybody without the need for middlemen for that communication. When you start to think about back in the day when you needed uh, the phone company to connect you with another individual, you had people in those boxes plugging in um, your landline to the next person's landline. Um, When you wanted to send mail, you had to put your, you had to effectively leverage your local posting service, whether it be Australia Post or the Postmaster General's office back in the day in Australia. Um, and I can't really talk to other anywhere around the world, but the internet broke down all those barriers. It allowed you to be connected to anybody at any point in time to communicate and to share. And that's what the social web has done to this point. However, there was nothing built into this fabric that is internet one and 2.0 that allowed for the ability to create and mediate trust and privacy and security. And so you've had to have companies built on top of these of the internet to be able to do that. This is why they talk to a bank or a tech company. You needed a bank to facilitate the transfer of money between one person to another. 
even though the internet was there and you're able to communicate with them, you couldn't send them money because there was no trust. There was no central broker for that service on the internet to make that happen. And you start to look at what tech companies are doing today. You know, if you go online today, this is one of the clearest examples of someone providing a service on top of the internet that provides a level of privacy, trust, and security. And that is Amazon, that is Alibaba, that is Facebook, that is Twitter, that is a raft of other platforms that allow that effectively that you consume on. So let's dive into that for a bit more, right? The examples that you will see day in, day out is the largest bookstore in the world doesn't own any books. The largest accommodation provider in the world doesn't own any real estate. The largest music provider in the world doesn't own any of the music. And it keeps going on and on. Airbnb, Uber, the largest taxi company in the world, doesn't own a single vehicle. You look at Amazon, the largest bookstore, well, now far more than that, but back then was the largest bookstore on the planet, didn't own a single book. And so all of these companies that were built on the internet were that company that was ensuring privacy, security, and trust for the exchange of value, in this case, goods and services over the internet. And now, because they sold for that uh, in Web 1 and 2.0, they are now some of the largest companies in the world because they've unlocked the value of what the internet could do. But now as we shift to Web 3.0, the definition stated that you don't need that trust broker. So that, what does that actually mean? Well, this is now where we start to see some of the overlap with what blockchain is. So I want to quickly take you back to what my definition of the blockchain is. If you haven't, go back and watch that episode on Arv's Notes. Um, I'll put the episode link in the description. But blockchain like the internet, is just a network of computers. It is just computers sharing a central blockchain that is validated by the masses um, to be able to mediate the transfer of value. And two of the common themes that I talked to when you looked at where could blockchain be applied to, it was value and trust. Web 3.0 is saying that where you don't need a trust broker and the broker meaning the exchange, you're brokering either something of service or something of value. And so therefore, already we can start to see that like the internet, blockchain is just a distributed network of computers that contain the blockchain. The internet is just a distributed network of computers that contain the information that make up the internet. At a technical level, they're almost identical. It's just the way in which they go about in that way that they transfer data to and from each other. Then now let's have a look at what we're trying to solve for. You don't need the trust broker. Because it's a decentralized network and you're allowing everyone to validate what's happening on there, blockchain is effectively the internet without the need for a trust broker. Because you can do the exchange of value peer-to-peer without that intermediary. Cryptocurrencies were doing that. You didn't need a bank to transfer money or value across to one another. Now you've got a whole range of blockchain-based projects. 
Sirecoin was one that I invested in uh, in its early days. Uh, and that's all about how do you broker the storage of information, i.e. cloud storage? How do you do that over a blockchain? And you're starting to see smart contracts now being brokered over blockchain. And so all those intermediary bodies that were creating trust for the transfer of information and value across the internet are almost non-existent in a world of blockchain. And so therefore, can blockchain replace the internet? My view is blockchain will eventually be web 3.0. It is the foundation. It is that unmediated fabric that allows for the exchange of value without the need for an intermediary trust broker that has been built on top of the internet. So my, my answer, can it? 100% it can. Will it? Is the question that we still need to explore because there are a range of other issues that surround this um, that don't just rely purely on technical scope and so in the next episode episode 22 i'm going to start going into some of the economic some of the industry some of the just basic human reasons why blockchain may or may not become the next internet what needs to happen for us to start to transition to that state? And is there a point in which the internet can evolve from where it is today to where it needs to be in order to meet this new definition of industry, of sorry, of internet 3.0? So that's it for this episode. Hopefully that's been an eye-opener because really, you know, this series, I really want to be something that empowers every single one of us to be able to demystify technology so that we all understand it uh, in a very human, a, a really layman way so that we can all benefit from it and all start to see how we could evolve with it. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for stopping by. And of course, I can't wait to see you guys next time.